This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode 8 of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by a man who's bringing about real change, fighting back against geoengineering, terraforming, and the horrors of our modern age. He's paving the way, teaching and educating many of us in how to defend ourselves, our families, and our communities from the nefarious forces outside of our realm. I would like to extend a very warm welcome to Mitch, the Orgone donor. Mitch, welcome. <laughs> thanks Drew. thanks for having me on i i appreciate this uh it's always it's always fun to have a microphone and for people to just kind of give me a an excuse to share uh the things we'll talk about so absolutely and i think you're such a a, a wonderful outlet for people around the world today i've heard you a lot on american podcasts and within north america in particular but to have you speaking about yeah your experiences and hopefully picking your brain about things that are happening in the southern hemisphere will be great yeah, definitely. So, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So ever since listening to you for the first time was back on Deborah Gets Red Pilled a little while ago, I wanted to have a chat with you. So I thought we yeah. could get you on today to not only catch up on your recent efforts, but to discuss the possible going-ons in Australia and what's happening with our crazy weather systems. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things, if we had had this conversation Five years ago, when I started really diving into this, what, what we'll call organite and gifting and tower busting and the whole concept of that relation to geoengineering, I would have different things to say. Um, I think I would have, I thought I had figured it all out. And so to be asked, you know, would, can you, can you kind of pinpoint like what, what are some things that might be going on in this case with Australia? Um, it's a lot more confusing now than it's ever been. Um, because more information has come out, uh, in the case of the work that I do with tower busting in, in Arizona, um, it's like you learn something new every day and really the more you learn, the less, you know, and so you, I always like to use the analogy of putting together puzzle pieces to figure out what the general puzzle is supposed to be. But the problem is we're never done flipping over those pieces and putting them together and another one shows up and another one shows up. So it does, the picture we're putting together does not match what's on the box. So in the case of what I think is going on with Australia, you know, a lot of the U.S. is actually, uh, I don't like to use the word drought because I think things are not exactly what the television says. 
but there has been an extreme push to uh, desertify as much of the farmland and as you know, basically make it impossible for people to live off grid and get away from from suckling the teats of big government. And so, I think there's a connection actually between what we see here in the states and what's going on there, because over the years, I've I've noticed that you know, I think storms and in the case of you know if, if a storm cell gets moved relocated uh things get concentrated um i don't know if anybody on that side of the pond has heard uh recently we had with with hurricane ian um florida took a beating and specifically i think it was fort myers uh really unfortunate to what with what happened to them and so what you see is or at least what i see is this energetic uh, battlefield, really, that is comprised of what I call the frequency fence. And I know that we're all connected. I mean, we're always, we're of the mindset, and I know anybody watching this, like everyone, we, we know everything's connected. Everything is sort of uh, one in, in the universe or part of one or comes from one. But uh, in the way that we're connected, I think that the negative uh, aspects of what's going on with the weather are also connected. So I think a lot of water, um, a lot of precipitation that has been redirected that would be coming, at least in the case of the U.S., to be coming off the Pacific, um, places around uh, Hawaii, the entire West Coast, that water or that that precipitation, those storm cells, I think has been diverted to other places. And I think that, you know, if people peruse my website, because I know this is this is quite a dive, uh, a quick one, <laughs> but it, when people peruse my website, they'll see that I talk a lot about the weather being an energetic process, that rain is not simply uh, condensation and evaporation forming rain clouds that burst and then that's that's it. Um, there's more to it. And so that energy bubble that is encompassing all of us, uh, that connects us, you can basically work wonders. You can do magic within that bubble. And so I think that's the simp that that's the most broad and generalized explanation, I think, of what you are seeing in your part of the world in relation to ours. So. Yeah, it almost seems as though it's the inverse. It seems to be very dry. There's so-called air quotes, droughts happening in the Northern Hemisphere, Europe, the US. I know the Pacific Northwest, which is usually quite a, a damp, moist place, is is quite dry at the moment. Um, and the Southern Hemisphere seems to be experiencing La Nina's and all-time floods. So <laughs> there's a few areas I'd like to talk to in a moment. But before we get too deep into it, I know it's a bit of a loaded question, but if you could in a, a few words, like I know lots of listeners would have heard of you before and your backstory and everything like that, but could you give us a quick abridged version of how you got started in all of this? Sure. Um, basically, in a nutshell, I, I woke up along the same process as a lot of folks. I think 2020 for me was a mile marker and 2016 was a mile marker uh, where, where significant changes happened in my life. And around the 2015, 2016 era, I sadly, it's not an elaborate story. I just literally did a Google search on uh, chemtrails, how to stop chemtrails, because I had I'd gotten familiar with what was going on in the sky to some extent that I knew something was wrong, but I didn't even I didn't know up from down at that point. And so uh, I came across this thing that we'll talk about today called Organite, and it 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 can be made in different shapes, but particularly a hockey puck shape or what, what we call a tower buster. Um, and I thought, you know, this hockey puck 
idea. I'm like, people are putting this stuff around towers, they're meaning cell towers, or they're putting it around EMF sources. And so I was learning about the frequency fence and harp and that whole can of worms. But as I learned about the hockey puck, I thought this is there's no way this will work. This is ridiculous. And so I set out to prove that it was stupid. And I ended up being pleasantly surprised um, because I was in Chicago at the time. I, I lived in Chicago for about, I think, 12 years. And it's such a high concentration EMF bubble. It was actually quite easy to begin the process of what we call organite gifting and to see results that were um, anything but subtle. And so I just, it was something I slowly began and I thought, you know, my world as I knew it at that time, I was like, I, I was broken because it was just like nothing makes sense anymore. And I can't believe, like I was learning about energy and the life energy and basically just coming to terms with the idea that I think I live in a battlefield where something is <laughs> fighting over the life force of everything and essentially a, a, what I now call a pro-life or anti-life uh, energy war. And so, yeah, I just, I got kind of turned upside down and I ran with it and I haven't stopped since because the results have been, uh, you know, they, all they've done is sh continue to show that there is a there, there, and this progress we're seeing, which today in Sedona, Arizona, if people look up Arizona, Arizona is the only place in the Southwestern United States that is not having a drought. It is having anything but that to say the least. So well, your efforts must be making dividends somewhere. That must have been a, a very humbling experience to go in with a, an air of skepticism and trying to prove something wrong. And then it completely flips on its face and would have been very groundbreaking for you, I assume. It, yeah, it was actually, I mean, I've carried the same process now with other things that I want to go learn because it, you know, really, and I would encourage anybody like go try to prove, just go try to prove something wrong. And, um, it's a great way to, as long as you're open to be pleasantly surprised, I am kind of a stickler and I know I can be, uh, I can come off as slightly egotistical, I'm sure. And so I'm very brash on my Instagram and anyone who follows my blog probably knows the tone that I speak, uh, or carry myself. So, even having that though, it humbled me quite quickly and it's just been primarily fun and exciting in the process to be proven wrong. So yeah, or pleasantly surprised, I should say. <laughs> that's a better way of looking at it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about desertification where by listening to and reading the work that you're doing, am I wrong in assuming that is it possible that for the most part, deserts, deserts aren't a natural occurrence. Okay. So the short answer is um, for my, per I'm going to say my personal view, I should say is I do not believe deserts are natural. Uh, the only way you can get a desert is some form of induction. You're inducing this process. Um, this was something that, you know, people who learn about Organite, they're always going to come across Wilhelm Reich, the father of Organomy. And I know that'll be part of our conversation today. So if I'm jumping around too much, please just feel free to interrupt and reel me back. Um, but in the case of his work, discovering as well here, actually in Arizona too, um, that he, he, by deductive reasoning, showed that deserts were not natural either, that there was something, there was some energetic process that was causing this. Well, as I have 
learned about all these different uh these different aspects or angles about the universe you know we're all learning about the life energy of this we're learning about the consciousness of water we're learning about the the solar activity the conscious rays magnetic fields every you know all of these puzzle pieces and putting them together and it's like the the earth is an ecosystem it is a living being it is essentially it's a sentient being and life will not kill itself just for the sake of killing itself. I mean, this is why like cancer is essentially, a, it is an imbalance of the natural flow of life. And if people look up Wilhelm Reich and his orgone accumulators, one of the simplest explanations about his orgone accumulator box, which was like a, a refrigerator, small refrigerator size box that a person could sit inside that would harness this life energy that he coined the term orgone, he used that to treat people who had cancer and infertility issues. And it's interesting that when we talk about life force and, you know, essentially cancer attacking itself, it's killing itself. I mean, it is killing the the host really. And so, or it's, it's like multiplying death basically. So it's like when you put this life energy back in alignment and you find that those two things can be, um, I have to be careful. I can't say the C word that the mm -hmm. FDA doesn't like, but it, that heal or treat them. Um, you know, it's like, let's connect that to the, to, to what does it take to create life and to keep everything else in balance? Well, infertility, that's, I, to me, I find that very interesting that you've got two prime uh, issues that involve death or the death of the living being because you you have some imbalance with the life energy flowing through this realm or or what's flowing through them so you put that back in alignment and you get things moving again you get the natural process moving and all these different pieces of of life begin to flow the way that they're supposed to one of those things is the weather because the weather is an energetic process. So in the case of the work I do with tower busting, people say like, oh, well, if I do this, am I going to, if, if I go bury earth pipes all over the state, or if I go put up those big bazooka gun thing, look the big, uh, the chem busters, we call them, I call them etheric bazookas. <laughs> but if they go put those all over the place, like, will I just have this downpour and this flooding? And the answer is no. What you're going to have is you're, you're popping holes in the frequency fence and you're transmuting energy. You're turning back on the natural flow of energy and everything that goes with that is going to start to realign because everything's really just being put in, in like a disarray where they throw off one thing over here and one thing over there and it just chain reactions every aspect of our lives. It's why the simplest term I think to describe the last few years, especially is shit show because everything is out so beyond out of alignment, but look at what's out of alignment. And there's always an energetic or consciousness related component. There's a life force component. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's basically in learning about organite or learning about orgone energy, I learned more or I was able to better understand what exactly is happening with geoengineering and why that it's not just about turning off the rain. It's not just about flooding this place over here, but that there is a bigger component with our connection to reality, our connection to the source of where we came from. And it's all about consciousness. So I would, at the heart of it, I would say geoengineering is essentially uh, the agenda to suppress 
the advancement of the collective consciousness. And I, and I don't mean like, oh, everyone's going to wake up and, and live happily ever after. But I mean the process, at least for you, for me, for whoever wants to be more, do more, see more, exist more, and knows that there is more to this world and is like seeking answers and higher mind that is completely cut off. It's shut off. And then everything else just spirals out of control. So it certainly boggles my mind then that if it's like that almost displacement of energy or energy is being taken away from certain spots, natural energies. If you look at Australia as a landmass, we're one of the largest landmasses in the world. And for the most part, it's an arid desert where somehow life just manages to find a way and, and get through. Do you think that animals that are in these desert landscapes now, that's just the natural way Earth is trying to fight back and survive? Uh, can you, uh, I'm not sure I understand. I don't think I understand the question completely. Okay. So when we're talking about how um, deserts may not, for the most part, be a natural, natural occurrence, but we still find life within these deserts. Could that be okay. the natural energy of earth trying to fight back against what's happened to it in certain areas? Like well, trying to survive? It, it, so it depends because if we'd had the conversation years ago, when I still believed in the evolutionary theory, mm-hmm. I'd say, well, everything just adapted. Yeah. You know, we've got what, – what I find interesting is like we actually live in very similar or at least used to live in very similar uh, terrain. And, you know, I, I mean I live in a desert essentially and what I find interesting is um, I think we are the only desert that has saguaro cactus – well, really any cactus – and I, I always find that interesting. And I think it's interesting about how, like, with you and uh, you guys have um, marsupials. And I don't know all the answers to how things exist in the area that they do if something's trying to kill it off. Because one of the components of things I've recently learned, you know, if uh, I've been following the work of a gentleman. Some people watching this probably know his name's Jason Brashears. Uh, if, you know, I'm, that is not an endorsement that I agree with everything. I'd be clear about that. But somebody I find beyond fascinating uh, with a website called archaics.com and has actually talked a lot uh, recently about Australia and the idea of resets and the idea of where you know, civilizations go. There's a lot, you know, over here in the States, I don't know about, I don't know enough about things beyond the US really to, to be an expert in much. That's, I'll be honest. Um, I know for us here, we all talk a lot about Tartaria. We all talk a lot about the Antiquatech and the old, the mud floods and, and how there's some very, just very questionable architecture, uh, questions about civilizations that have been either wiped off the map or somehow these ones have stuck around and these ones didn't. Uh, and the possibility of, you know, every, I believe it's around every 138 years or so. There's uh, this particular event. This is one of the things I've been recently researching, uh, the Phoenix event. People have been talking more and more about that recently, uh, that it's it's kind of like it, it basically raises a lot of questions about what is the realm in which we live? Because, you know, over here, we get a lot of arguing between is, is it flat, is it round, or is it a simulation? And there's a lot of compelling arguments from everyone who's sitting at that table. And really, there's more than just those three. Um, I mean, the hollow and expanding and, and everything. And the thing I've learned in, you know, the, 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 the experience I've had with 
the tower busting and and researching the frequency fence, I am more uh, I am more likely to entertain the possibility of endless possibilities now more than I ever have before. So when something still manages to survive in a place like Australia, where it might be just completely battered with geoengineering efforts, I'm not sure how something came to be, but I know that there are other folks who've uncovered how things like a, uh, I think it's the duck-billed platypus. I mean, that's a whole... we laugh about it because we, some people say that's like God sense of humor or whatever, <laughs> but it's like that it's left over from a simulation that overlapped with a, a current one. And, you know, going through basically like how you can have things that are mammals and still lay eggs and have all these different features. Um, it's just, it's bizarre. So again, the more we learn, it's like to me, the less I know, um, I, things can adapt for sure, but I don't. I don't know exactly because the the reason actually, because someone's going to ask, they're going to say, well, if these things are all existing, then how do you know that the earth, uh, how do you know someone's intentionally doing whatever? Maybe the earth caused that issue and for, for those animals that survive or thrive better in those types of living conditions. I understand that that could be an argument. Um, the thing about is when you remove certain aspects, certain agendas from this map, you see those processes to create that type of world turned off. And it's like, okay, well, and when you look at, like, I don't just look at like what's going on. I look at the effort being put into pushing what's going on. So it's like, in this case, the climate agenda, anybody who follows my work will hear me constantly say that I believe the climate agenda. It's, it's a hoax. I think I call it the climate. Hoax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, and, and, Again, I like everybody else who with a with a functional brain, I will admit, obviously, there are cycles, the more I'm learning about all these different possibilities of resets and, and lost civilizations and how things came to be or may have came to be. It's like, yeah, the the number of possibilities, it's like, that's basically, uh, it's cycles, there are cycles, there are things we go through, there are things that change. But it's when you see what's in control, when you ask the questions of like, what you can, who you can and can't criticize, what you can and can't criticize, or when you do criticize things, what types of reactions do you have? When you push back against an agenda, like organite gifting, uh, what happens when you grid 8,000 earth pipes, which are, you know, we'll talk about them in more detail throughout the episode. But what happens when you grid substantial numbers of these devices and you go and you pinpoint like ley lines and vortexes and energy grids and the whole network of cell towers and power plants and just, I mean, I, for anyone who follows my work, I mean, I am a very, very busy person when it comes to the distribution of making because I'm trying to prove a point. Really, you know, it's not just throw some throw a tower buster out the car window and call it a day. It's like no, I moved to Arizona specifically because it's a desert. I moved here because Will Reich came here, and I moved here because, like him, I wanted to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that deserts are not a naturally created process and. It's not something that I think it'll be very difficult to prove it beyond any doubt for everybody because you can't prove only person who can ever prove anything to you is yourself. But 
I do think that, you know, I'm getting to a point where there's enough of a there there. And I'm not even the only person out there who's doing this, uh, this type of work. And, and others have been doing it far longer than me. I'm just very loud about it because it's that sort of that ego driven thing. When I set out to prove it wrong, well, now I'm setting out to continue proving it right. So that's, you know, I'm just, I'm just more vocal, but. Yeah, there's just, there's so many differences or so many changes going on. And we're also learning about, as far as it's not just cycles, we're learning about the possibility of like a grand solar minimum. We're learning about the possibility of pole shifts. I just recently was learning about the increase of ozone in our atmosphere that the next age we go through could potentially be. I I think people have already talked about the age of air, but that free energy will come from the ether in the form of lightning. And that a lot of these antiquitech buildings and these old mud flood areas and Tartaria structures will basically come to life again. And that's why they're currently, they're dormant right now because they're from a time period when free energy was different than what it is now. I think now free energy comes from the earth in the form of uh, basically nuclear or radioactivity, radioactive material um, or the earth itself tapping into something that pulls it from the ether. Of course, then they throttle it and you know put a meter on the house and all of that but anyway it's just there's so many things going on as far as what what we've been through and we've only been lied to since the beginning so it's like i know when people ask me like well what is it you know it's like well i know that cell towers and this this fence this web of what we call just the emf web has been weaponized i know that there are tools that can be distributed, placed around these things that will uh, have some really strange coincidences. And if you put this together, I call it the coincidence salad. It's like you've got plants growing faster. You've got uh, things like fish. You've got like aquatic life and bird life that uh, basically mold multiply exponentially you've got this sort of well, you've got water coming to the surface uh primary water coming back to the surface of the earth um you've got weather pattern changes you've got you know successful monsoon se- i mean this is by far the wettest monsoon season in arizona's history last year it was the second wettest on, uh, on record as well so it's like there are all these different components of things that it's like oh this this benefits life this benefits life and this benefits life. So I know those things so far to, to be happening. Um, but as far as everything else getting thrown into it, it's, you know, it's just, it's really confusing basically because there's so many possibilities. I'm not even sure they want to say that the earth is heating up and others say the earth is cooling down. I, I'm not sure if the, if there really is going to be a pole shift or could the, could they be putting up a fake network of these, this web of towers to maybe artificially create something that will flip poles. I mean, I suppose that's a possibility. I've heard about an upcoming Carrington event. If people don't know the Carrington event, essentially. Yeah. So it's it's almost like the old adage, you don't know what you don't know. And you alluded to that at the start of, of this episode where the more you learn, you find it, the more you actually don't know. And that's a great place to be intellectually and just in life in general. Mm-hmm. I want to try and bring it back just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. If we're talking about terraforming, I think for the most part, for the average person, when they hear terraforming, you instantly go to the world of science fiction where you terraform a planet to suit the life of another another species or something that can live there. Is terraforming that's happening simply a means of wiping out 
the areas of agriculture and crop production, or does it go deeper? What do you think? The short answer is it goes much deeper. And I think the reason, really, if you look at any Look, just pick any agenda that you know about at random and look at the list, like make it a challenge, take an agenda and write three of the purposes that you believe that agenda exists for. Okay. So start with three. I guarantee you, you can find 97 more for a total list of a hundred. And, and so that's why like, because obviously in the short term, I mean, with everything that's happened over the last few years, we know that supply lines have been destroyed. I mean, part of what I do is that I've made it uh, – when I first moved here four years ago, I couldn't grow a garden. It was way too hot in the summer. This was the coldest summer we've had in, I think, like 50 years. Um, it, it was fantastic. I mean, when it wasn't cold, but it was beautiful. And so the ability to grow that food or the – I mean, Arizona has a lot of farmland. People don't actually – realize how much there is here. Um, so there's that component of destroying productivity, destroying the food supply, destroying people's livelihoods, because it's all about, well, not all about, but it's about control. But the thing about what, what I've learned in doing the work I do is how much everything circles back to energy. I mean, and I mean, like your essence, your life force, your consciousness. It's like, cause people are always talking about, oh, it's about the money. You know, they want to control the money, whatever. I'm like, they, or it, I call it it, is friends with or controlling the machines that print the money. There's no shortage of money. They will always have more than enough money. This is never about money because they can always just pull more. Like that's, that's the misleading thing because then if everyone focuses on it being about money, then they don't realize, oh, I live in a realm where things are a lot deeper. They're not just physical, that there's something going on on what we would call the etheric level or on a quantum, I think is it gets a dirty rap because of technology, AI technology. But technically, I would say like the quantum, the ether, uh, the the magic of the universe that is the realm above what this dense physical three-dimensional reality is. And if you can dumb down all life on this realm to the fullest extent and keep it from advancing to that point, it will never know the power it actually has and that it it doesn't need anything but itself in order to thrive. So, um, sorry, I kind of think I got in a little bit of a tangent there. Um, what That's was okay, the good. <laughs> yeah, what was what was the question? <laughs> That's okay. It was uh, just around whether the terraforming could be to okay. to, to help terraform so it, Earth through a different yeah. life form, a different form of life. Because I think it, that's probably the mindset people go to when they hear that term being synonymous with science yeah. fiction. I hear a lot of people talk about how they're turning this planet into Mars, um, which which is funny to me because I'm not even – like I don't even know what Mars is. I can only go off of the one entity that literally means deception and I think is it in Hebrew or whatever it is that NASA means. But like, you know, and, and someone raised a really valid point the other day, just as a side topic I thought was hilarious, was someone said, have you noticed that of all the people that have been to the moon, nobody's written a book? And I thought, that's interesting. Nobody's ever written a book. Like people write books about everything. I mean, if the Kardashians can write a book, why has nobody written a book about going to the moon? And you'd think they'd want to talk about that because everybody wants to write a book and be 
famous with a book. You know, I want I want to write a book someday. So I thought that was interesting. But these these entities that we trust with this information, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's like, well, where do you where do you draw the line? Because also, I would say people people know the news is fake, but they also get their weather from the same entity that gives mm-hmm. them the news. So when you hear somewhere's in a drought or you hear somewhere's having this weather issue, I mean, I'll all go off of what you tell me as far as what's going on in Australia. But it's like they will, you know, the name of the game is herd people into cities, destroy the cities as much as possible and make the people in those cities believe that the rest of the world is reflective of what's going on in those cities and then say the sky is falling. And that's just not, that's just not true that I, there is a lot being healed. uh, I think, all over the world. Uh, I almost think they can't destroy it fast enough. But as far as the terraforming, uh, you know, just, it's not just destroying this, this, uh, farmland. It's not just destroying livelihoods, but essentially it's, I, I would say that the ultimate goal of everything in my personal view is generating the anti-life. Uh, in this case, I'd say it's an example of that is human misery. The media only exists for the sole purpose of manufacturing human misery. There's no other reason it exists. That's my belief. And anyone can attest when you're feeling miserable and down and you've been living through the past couple of years that you feel physically drained. It's like the energy is being mm-hmm. sapped out of you when you're feeling and being put in those states. So absolutely. Yeah. When people tell me that they're worried, they're like, oh, they're going to kill us oh, blah, 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 with whatever it is that's been going on, especially the last few years. I'm like, they don't want you dead. They want you alive and dying. That's mm-hmm. what they want. They do not want you dead. And so if you if you look at it from that perspective, you actually start to Parasites decode. a living host, don't they? <laughs> they do. Exactly. And that's why a lot of organite gifters will talk about the parasites. I use the word parasites all the time. And if people want to read uh, Reich's work, they could. I would recommend they go read Contact with Space first. Um, it, it's like he knew there was some he called it like a something that had invaded our earthly existence and it's interesting to me that there are actually quite a few people here in the states who i would say are rice scholars or they are the academia approach to learning about orgone energy uh there's even a foundation that was started uh it's up uh in righteous compound and they're questionable in my book. Um, they ignore the components that explore the possibility that there is something else basically feeding on our energy, or in this case, feeding on negative energy. And what I equate it to, the whole bread and butter, really, of what I, what I do, what I do, why I do it, is that it is the anti to the anti-life. I believe there is essentially, we live in a realm that is, you know, nature is, uh, all you know the the energy of nature is essentially pro life everything about it is just about uh the truth and and everything just flowing and there's this artificial realm that something is trying to create over it and in order to do that it needs something to feed off of because it can't exist in nature it has to it has to destroy and then feed off of that because it's outside the realm of the of what i would call like god consciousness or or the you know just basically the natural flow. I mean, it's what we would call orgone. It's what I would call orgone energy or life force. It's what other people would call the chi or the prana. Um, that energy that flows through everything and keeps everything in balance. If I want to shoehorn something in that's not supposed to be here, I got to find a way to do it. I got to start flip. I got to start inverting. Uh, 
And it takes a lot of work, which is, in my view, a perfect explanation of why the deception is the level that it is, why the hate and the anger and the the methods to manufacturing uh, basically negative, all the negative energy. Look at the effort to manufacture negative energy. It's greater than it's ever been. And it, I think it's because it's becoming harder and harder for that anti-life to exist in a pro-life realm. And I think that a lot of people now, like the, the best advice I've ever got recently was Scott Armstrong was on the show recently. And we'll speak into the best revenge or the best fight you can have or one of the best tools you can have against what's happening these days is living your best life, mm-hmm. living your life, enjoying yourself, finding happiness. And that can be the best revenge you can have against the people that are trying to bring you down. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think to me, I think there's nothing that pisses them off more. Um, I had just had an interview with someone earlier this week and I brought up the, uh, a conversation. If people are interested, one of the most fascinating interviews I ever heard was on an episode of the Higher Side Chats back in, I think it was 2019. I didn't hear it until about six months ago, maybe a little more, but it was the gentleman's name is Eric Dollard. And he spoke, He because of him, I now actually call this thing, I call it it. Yeah, I, there, I, I like to refer to it, whatever it is that is causing this thing. Some people would call it AI religions. Some religions would probably call it Satan. Some people would, call, I mean, everyone's got their, their terms and, and definitions for, I think the general concepts we would all essentially agree on. Um, well, and, it goes by uh, many names, doesn't it? <laughs> exa- exactly. And it's, and to me, it's uh this particular interview you know he spoke about some of an example he spoke about a lot of the devices we create that are not coherent with this natural realm uh the electrical grid that we've expanded and as i i of course i take everything i can that other people are doing and i'm like how does this correlate to what i'm doing and so that i can understand this more because there are so many questions and i'm like I can only give an educated guess. I can't say it's definitively this. But one of the things he talked about with this electrical grid was he said, we are essentially creating the, we are creating the portal for the demon to come through. And I, and and he's like, it has, and just like Reich said, it has invaded our earthly existence. And I'm like, it kind of just sent a chill down my spine because it finally, to me, it made more sense that it's like this pathway that I'm always talking about, this network, what I call the frequency. Other people call it the frequency fence. I didn't coin that term, but I prefer to call it that. Uh, that web is essentially a playground for whatever this, you know, quote unquote evil is and how it operates. And so when you start putting certain types of devices in this same vicinity, you start restructuring waves, you start blocking this over here and restructuring that over there. Next thing you know, you've cut off the supply line. You've you've begun to kill something at its source. And so you know, it's um it's it's hard for I think a lot of people when they hear like, well, what is putting this around a tower? Why would this affect the rain? And it's like, again, it's because the weather is a reflection of our collective energy. If you and, and I started to dissect that when I was learning about the forecast early on when I started. So this was early 2016. And someone had brought up, you know, they said that word forecast. They're casting a spell. And I thought, oh yeah, they totally are. 
and they and as i as i watched the the news and i would watch it intently uh i would i would dub my own i would dissect it and dub my own voiceover and like do this whole explanation every day for when i had the time but i would go through basically i called it the doom and gloom forecast if you look at the weather look for Look for them to say something positive. It's much easier that way. You'll never find it. <laughs> but if you look, look for the negative, because if you look at anything beneficial, like the rain, the, the, essentially the water and the life cycle that keeps us alive, uh, they will never say anything positive about it. Even in places where we've had, where, where we have had drought. And once our monsoon season this year got going really heavily, it's like you would be so hard pressed to find anything in the media that would say a- anything positive about the monsoons, uh, basically getting like ending the drought. And, you know, the only thing you will find is like they'll use destruction. They'll talk about. Uh, excessive flooding. They'll talk, they'll have headlines that say hikers washed away from mountain or beware of scorpions coming out of the ground after heavy flooding, you know, or it's like damage caused by blah, blah, blah. I mean, I saw that the electric company that I also like everyone else pay every month. I saw that a ton of their network was destroyed this summer. And I actually felt kind of validated, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like they only want to talk about how pandemonium it is. And I'm just looking around and I'm thinking like, the, we're, we're having a second spring in Arizona right now. We don't, we're not having a fall. And last year we we're didn't have a, second a fall. Winter. <laughs> <laughs> you are? Yeah. We're having or, a second winter. We've oh, got, yeah. It's supposed to be spring right now, but we are not having spring weather traditionally. See, I think that, you, yeah, that's that inversion I was talking about, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about casting a spell. Like I've been researching morphology really heavily. And as a teacher, I've got the background in teaching language anyway, but you look at forecasts, they're foretelling what the, the spell is they're going to put yeah. out there. And it's not may not necessarily be a spell if they're actually manifesting it in other ways. They're just letting you know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, they, well, it's uh, down at the bottom of the screen, at least here in the States, you'll see most of those newscasters, they have the phrase, we are your weather authority, plastered <laughs> on the bottom of the screen. And in in uh i as far as i know i'm pretty sure everyone's weather whether it's ours or yours it is this it is um it it sifted down from basically noaa and weather central and raytheon who has a ton <laughs> of you know the projects Military. the people the militarized component that builds certain weapons. Um, so it's like you've got these spearheads, but I mean, like people don't realize when they open the app or they hear a little jingle uh, thing on the radio, if they hear whatever on the news, it's like all of that stuff is scripts. It all just comes down from the same entity. And you'll find a lot of meteorologists. I mean, I've said for the last few years, mostly just to be loud mouthed, but I believe whether that meteorologists are just actors with scripts. They are actors with scripts. Their their entire job isn't to know anything; it's to memorize. That's it. And so that's about it. Exactly. And and the way I started testing this was when I was in Chicago and we began, I mean, by the time we probably busted maybe 150 towers in Chicago, the weather was behaving just very, very weird. We were getting an increase in precipitation because a lot had been suffocated from us and uh, storms were always moving over and being dumped on Lake Michigan where it benefited nobody uh, except Nestle who probably taps into the lake. 
but um the like we had a cooler we had cooler summers uh to the point people were complaining about even in like late june and it i mean they're freezing and so or at least for chicago because it's typically a hot swamp and so what i was finding the more we busted and expanded our grid outward the more the weather would shift from what it what what it was before and you could see in real time on the news, and this is what I would record every morning before I go to work. I would record this and put it on my blog, and then I would dub over or I'd put words at the bottom saying, here's what really happened and why. But you see them stumbling over their talking points because it doesn't add up to reality. So then you, I would just find so many forecasts, especially I had a particular uh, – there was a particular meteorologist in Chicago that I followed quite religiously just because i don't know she was my favorite but um and I, I loved like picking on her talking points but seeing her not know what to say next or it was like they'd have something in the morning on the way to work and by noon they'd already completely changed it and it was like the way they were talking it was like they were hoping nobody paid attention to the forecast on their commute as they came into work in the morning it's like nothing you're saying adds up to what's really going on right now with the environment. And so, you know, if people, I think if more people were doing this and shifting things even faster, you'd see meteorology fall apart because you can't, I don't, I don't believe that you can actually predict the weather. And that's something I haven't said for a few years, just I haven't been prompted to. Uh, there was another organ worker who kind of helped get me into this, who had said that comment to me as well. And I thought that's quite a statement, but uh, it's you can't predict it. You can only plan it. And so I think there are factors you can. I mean, this is this is why they'll tell you like a 20 percent chance of rain doesn't actually mean it's tw a 20 percent chance of rain happening. It means that of the possibility of rain anywhere in that area, 20 percent of the area may see a chance of rain. So it's like even more half assed. And it's, you know, what I used to see too was as, you know, we put up more chem busters and we're increasing rain production, you'd see the forecast just go like this. You'd see chemtrails come out and you'd see the weather, the, the rain forecast go down. And then you'd bust up a bunch of stuff and bring out these clouds and you'd see that rain percentage go back up. And so it was just this push and pull. And it's like, I started to see like, there's, there's definitely some, element going on that they're able to read that they they can see like the elements are there but it's like it's almost to me it's basically like if they know that their playground is set up this is what is going to happen and so you start breaking down that playground that they have and they have to get they have to start pulling things back it's like oh that 60 percent chance of rain we're going to just say 10 percent because now if it doesn't rain we'll say well we told you it was only 10 percent but when it starts flooding like places here then it's like, oh, well, we told you it was going to rain. Yeah, 10% chance. It obviously did. And it's like, you guys are dicks because you're not predicting anything. So anyway, that's one of my tangents about meteorology. So. Well, I've got the saying about <laughs> meteorologists and weathermen that it's the one consistent job where you can always screw up and still retain your job and not get in trouble for it. That's yep. my way of saying to it. Yeah. Just to quickly paid, paid to be wrong. That's it. Just to shift gears, I'd love to get your uh, your thinking on this just because you're, you're so well versed on this subject i've been researching my local area and the weather patterns of the past and what it was traditionally like i live in a valley which um 
when the pioneers and settlers first arrived, it was large swaths of swampland that was barely trackable. They lost horses and carts getting through it. And it was so wet they couldn't couldn't actually cultivate crops because there would be root rot and it was just so wet. Uh, And in recent history, we had four power stations go up, coal-fired power stations. And when you speak to, I spoke to a lot of the farmers in the local area and they say as soon as those power stations went up within the space of two or three years, the climate completely shifted and changed. It became very arid, very dry to the point where you could grow crops because it was dry enough that you could still water the plants and get them going. And people moved into cattle and, and stuff like that. But in the last two years, it's shifted again. They've started shutting down all these coal-fired power stations due to the Green New Deal and dropping CO2 emissions. As they started dropping these power stations, the weather's been increasingly getting wetter and wetter. But on the, on the other side of it, this is the, coincides with the time frame of when these towers started going up at the same time. So I'm, I, I'm almost at two minds of it, whether it's one or the other or both have had an impact on it. What would your thoughts be? Well, um, people will, they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, if we're getting rain, obviously they're not stopping anything. And I would say, well, to me, it sounds like, again, creating this bubble to divert, you know, it's it, where can we cause mayhem essentially? And that water's coming from somewhere in the atmosphere. Um, I know from from personal experience, burying earth pipes around power plants, there's some form of energy coming off of them. And I mean, you can you take all kinds of different types of equipment to measure different types of measurements, whether it's a, a Geiger meter or a um, and just an EMF meter. And you can probably even take a life energy meter. I'm sure there's there's something coming off to some degree in, in all of those forms. Uh, so I don't know if... You know, because when I hear about the carbon thing, essentially, I mean, we are carbon. They're just trying to get rid of us. They're trying to get rid of the ability for life. I think the next era, in order for AI to take over, I have heard this is I'm going off of what I have heard. I'm not I can't say this is definitive, but I have heard that uh, they need or it needs an atmosphere that is uh, silica, silicon based, not carbon based. I don't know enough about the, I don't know enough about this to really know. I mean, it's something I'd like to learn more about because um, in the case of getting rid of those power plants, I'm not sure what they'll do with the web or as the frequency fence. I'm not sure if maybe they, sometimes I like to think if they decommission something, for example, or they get rid of something, they've already put something else up in its place. So they don't need that component anymore. In the case of HARP, the facility that's in, I forget which part of Alaska, I always want to say Anchorage, but it's not. Um, but everyone always hears about HARP and they use that term. And I think they use that term incorrectly, but it is essentially just a, uh, facility. That was decommissioned and I believe given to the University of Alaska. But I tell people, I'm like, it never shut down. It never went out of commission. Uh, it basically was migrated into the tower network. It is everything else. It is the Wi-Fi in your house. It is the cell tower on the street or down the block. Find it in is your pocket. The- it, exactly. The phone in your pocket, the ring thing they put on their finger. Now the Bluetooth, <laughs> what, you know, people like, again, you know, you look at, look at an agenda, look at, in, look at the level of intention behind certain decisions. That's where you can start to decode an agenda. 
people can call me crazy, but the reason at one, this is one, one example, but the reason Apple got rid of a headphone jack was simply to create another weapon to build more frequency fence through the use of Bluetooth headsets. They just need more bubble to, they need more bubble to, to create that web. There's a reason why Tesla is taking off. There's a reason why those electric cars are essentially cell towers on wheels. There's in order to push this, everything has to be emitting some kind of signal, which is why now we're seeing internet. Uh, at least I know in the U.S. it's it's started, but I think T-Mobile and Verizon are now putting these little beacons in people's homes that look like an Amazon uh, wiretap device. And they are wireless internet that will now work with the 5G tower that was conveniently installed when everybody went under lockdown Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, everything's in place now. And so we can start migrating that in. And it's like, that will come into the house. And I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking like, Oh, great. So now you've got a mini cell tower in and of itself inside your house. And that will be the only way a lot of people will get their internet or they'll, they're giving it away and they're giving discounts to people. (laughs) Of course they're going to. So it's like, look at the level of intention behind getting a bigger web. So with these plants being shut down, I it confu- I'm confused because I'm like I'm just like thinking, okay, so what else is in that area? What else has been going on? Um or it you know, is there a way to start measuring different things because uh they'll say one thing and obviously they're not doing it or they'll say they're going to do something and they did it a long long time mm-hmm. ago, they just need our consent. So it's like it's just, it's really confusing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's confused me because I've definitely, like, like like you said, with those two years where everyone was in their houses and not seeing what was happening outside, mm-hmm. a lot of those towers went up and it just happened to coincide in the same time they were decommissioning these power stations. So it's yeah. almost like you said that they had the old technology and now they're just replacing yeah, yeah. it with something that's more efficient for them. Um, you know, I have some, I'm going to make a note here because I don't want to lose my train of thought. I'm just going to say the coal plant. Um, I have some videos on my website where, so a long time ago, I, I started making one of my talking points about how it or they do not need chemtrails in order to geoengineer in the sky. And people are like, well, I see them spraying, whatever. I'm like, yes, but if you look at the sky long enough, and I, I tend to look at the sky a lot. Uh, you can manifest what we call DOR, deadly orgon radiation. That term comes from Wilhelm Reich. It is not orgone. It is essentially electrosmog. It's the white lifeless crap in the sky that you, when you see it, you know, it's like it's obstructing the sun. It's breaking up rain clouds. It's really just causing a bad day. And you can manifest that stuff using the frequency web. And so I think lately I've I've kind of been salt and peppering in conversations with certain people that chemtrails to me are more like drawing an extension cord um, when you want to connect to different areas where you're blasting over here and you're blasting over here. When I say blasting, obviously like exerting a form of uh, frequency onto the ionosphere or into the atmosphere, but you can essentially like build the grid bigger. So like if you start busting a bunch of towers, a lot of people, they typically see a lot more chemtrails early on when they start doing that. Why? I don't know exactly, but my hypothesis is that someone or something is coming out in full force to essentially fill in the gaps, find the weak spots of the organite or the tower busting, and try, as they might, 
to piece back together that web that's been broken down. And so, um, but in, in relation to the coal plant, see, I still lost my thought. I have so many, too many <laughs> things in my head. Um, in the case of the coal plant, I see like, what's the outcome of doing what they're doing that if they can create more misery off of shutting that down, then I don't think it's like, if the towers are in place, then I don't think that it matters that those are shut down. And this will sound, I don't know if this is too off topic. I I think this is relevant right now, but there's a lot going on in the U S right now with, I'll just say student loans. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the funniest, the the funniest thing about it. I mean, I'm like, they own a print press. They're, they're, they're only doing it to destroy, 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 but it's such a, they're creating a war between people right now. And it's why it's being sold the way it is. They're playing roller coaster with people's emotions. We're going to give you this money. Oh no, now we're not. Oh yes, we are. Then Republicans come and they're like, Oh, we're going to emergency injunction, whatever with the Supreme court. And these people, it's like, whatever, everyone's trying to hammer through what they can. And I'm just kind of sitting back and I'm looking at, okay, there is a collective amount of human emotion taking place because of this one particular thing in the media. The amount of, I would say, joy that will come from those who need help financially, who live in the matrix and like this is their biggest concern. Uh, I believe that the collective positivity that comes off of having something like as simple as student loans forgiven it would it would create enough it would create such a large energy signature of positivity okay i think of that as collateral damage that they are willing to take because of the amount of misery that it will create in the long term so in the case of what they're doing with the power plant that's see that's how i when i'm you know people they, they can say you know well this is just far fetched but i think it's piecing together the puzzle of why decisions are made the way that they are. What is the general outcome? It's never about money. The money is a tangible thing to make you think it's based in the 3D, but it's it's bigger than that. So it's like the amount of destruction that will come from shutting those things down. I'm just thinking about everyone who loses the job and that chain reactions and economy self-implodes and that reactions goods and services begin to dwindle that i mean i rely heavily on certain raw materials that have had an immense <laughs> problem with the pipeline and it's a lot more difficult you know i was telling people as soon as the first toilet paper roll ran out at the whatever a few years ago i was like you all better if you want to start busting towers you better start buying those copper pipes. You better start buying some resin because resins derived from oil and obviously copper being what it is. It's like all being diverted into the electric, uh, electric car brigade. And it's just gone through. I mean, it's exponentially more expensive now than it was just a couple, even six months ago. So what happens there? It's like, oh, well, here's a tool we have to bring down this component of what I general term new world order or whatever you want to call it. But. It's like, oh, I, I rely on that. And so, you know, the chain reaction to what those things do, it's like, even if they created a more positive bubble, getting rid of some coal plants, some cleaner air in that area, it's like, I'm looking at what's the whole trajectory of what this decision entails. So well, I think you connected the dots there for me. That's for sure. The, the misery that's coming out of it, it's definitely quite high. We're in a... Yeah the local economy that's built around those power stations. Like you said, it's a flow and effect to all the smaller businesses and everything in between that's going to be decimated from it. So there's a lot of misery, stress and worry happening there that could be feeding something bigger. 
Yeah. Talking yeah. about what we can do to try and combat these towers and and try and offset the negative things that are happening in our world. I've been gifting since the first time I heard your your appearance with Adam and Deborah on Deborah Gets Red Peeled. I went out, found a local. I contacted you first to see if you would post to Australia, but it's with the cost of everything, you, you couldn't do it, which is understandable. So I ended up finding someone locally, but all I could get a hold of was pucks. So I've been gifting with mm-hmm. pucks. Are pucks enough to bust towers, or do I need to try and make my own? Well, um, I'm not sure actually. And the reason the reason I say that is because the agenda is ramping up so quickly. And when I so because when when I first moved to Arizona and did we did mostly pucks and chem busters with the the tall the mm-hmm. like six foot tall cannons. Um, we saw really great changes. We had in a place that gets no snow per year, like literally no snow had like 18 inches of snow one day and another 15, another, we had one of the coldest years and our drought ended in 2019 actually, uh, which is funny because no one seems to remember that, but um, it's, we've been in drought for 50 years, but it ended in 2019. And so, because the news wins, <laughs> but um, in the case of the pucks, what I saw was with the 5g expansion in 2020, I, I knew at least for myself, I thought, you know, I've been dabbling with earth pipes. One of the first places I ever tested them was around um, it's now decommissioned, but it was a nuclear power plant in a forest preserve uh, from where I used to live. And the reactions in the sky um, off of a place that's that got that heavy of a concentration of radi- radiation coming off of it was just very promising. Um, there were a couple things because I, I used to blog a lot more than I do now. I try to as often as possible, but I used to do it multiple times a day. And I would talk about some of these reactions with driving these pipes into the ground and hitting different areas that were sort of like more impactful. And when I say that, I mean like places where you find water sources or places where you find militarized, uh, militaristic components. I'll leave it at that. So you, we, given what we saw with that, when me and my, my better half, um, I wanted to increase my productivity with what I was doing. So I focused specifically on earth pipes. The reason was because, and I can't, I can't say the exact why this is, but there's something about earth pipes that are tapping into the same network that those towers are tapped into. And by going and looking at the geography of where these towers are and where they place them, like placing them around prisons and factory farms and water towers and you know dams create i mean the dam that basically blocks the current of the natural flowing current of energy that runs through our rivers lakes and streams uh it's it's like you want to tap into those areas the tower buster for anyone new to this is it's like the tower buster is the universal gifting tool you put it around the towers it doesn't have to be buried um some people will tell you that you need one. I am the, I, I go by the kill it with fire approach where I'm just like, I use a lot. I, I use a lot because where I travel, I mean, we might get in the car. We're venturing out somewhere for six hours, spending a day or two in an area. And I want to never have to return in case they start popping up more towers. So I am just like, go big or go home. Uh, that's also why, I mean, that's, my my effort to prove my point i guess with the desert and all that so as far as gifting anything anybody does putting something around these towers 
any form of organite gifting is beneficial. Uh, but if a person has access, I would say like, it's as we've learned more, even though I say, you know, the more you learn, the less, you know, well, one thing I have learned more of is how to utilize certain tools better. So, because there are certain things that like are going to require using the hockey puck. There's other things that are going to require using an earth pipe. And there's even other things that are going to require, they might, you might want something like a, a pyramid, what we call this, uh, we call these HHGs that stands for Holy hand grenade. Um, I don't think it's too dirty to say that word. Sometimes I don't, but it's, uh, it's a term people can look up Don Croft and Carol Croft and all the fun pioneer efforts of the organite gifting movement from way back in the day. And so anyway, there are different tools with different rules. I'd like to say that. And so, you know, you do your grid work above ground using the pucks. And then when you need something versatile, when you need to get in and get out, um, but when you have those moments where you're like, okay, I want to grid this land or I want to, you know, maybe grid around a lake, for example, that's where I would recommend using earth pipes or in places where you see that 5G expansion, uh, basically expanding very quick, just more quickly than, than other places. Those are the targeted areas. If they're targeting it, that's where I like to go with earth pipes as well. And I mean, my, my effort here, at least in Arizona has been, you know, befriend everybody I can and get at the, at a minimum, get an one earth pipe in their property space and then put uh tower busters around the perimeter and inside their home as well. So you got like something above and something below, but um yeah, after the 5g expansion though, I knew I wanted to do pipes just because I thought like they're going to go, full throttle, then so am I. So, and I do think that technically, I mean, and don't, don't read it wrong. Tower busters are awesome. Earth pipes in my view are tower busters on steroids. That's what I'm getting at. That's the go-to. I've I've had the same gut feeling. I didn't, I knew it was better than nothing, but Mm -hmm. to try and get around, I was scattergun approaching it. I was like yourself, instead of putting one or two down, I was putting five or six just mm-hmm. in the hopes that it would stack up and ha- do a bit more, but yeah. do it, look in and invest into some earth pipes and get that going for sure. Yeah. There's, there are places I venture where if I know I'm going to be making a long stretch, maybe I don't have enough pipes, but I'm going to be making a really long stretch of cover stretch of land. Um, I would gift a tower buster about every quarter to a half a mile, probably every quarter mile. There are some places we've gone that it's like, I, I don't want to give away too much information about certain activities. I don't endorse doing anything <laughs> that's use your, you know, I have a whole episodes of on my website specifically about using your discernment, your intuition and your common sense, otherwise known as use your dicks. Um, <laughs> it's an easy way to remember it, but the, the grid work we've done, I, you know, we've, we've gone places with 600 earth or 600 tower busters in the car and we come back with none and we, we grid them, you know, every so often, about every quarter mile or so, and we'll we'll take certain directions, certain roads, whatever. Uh, you take a car, you take a bike, you take a train with a bike. It, however, you can get there. Um, they're fantastic for doing that kind of grid work. And you know, in an ideal world, I would say, like we we've gone around town, and I mean, anywhere I find an electrical box, all my neighbors have it. As one example, really, I think all the people in Sedona might have one or two around their house. 
uh, at this point. There's more organite in Sedona, Arizona, I think, than anywhere. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a quick and easy way to do a lot of grid work. And so, yeah, I don't want to downplay the the Tower Buster puck. So, Well, hopefully it's it's almost like we're using the same thing where they're using what you would air quote say are chemtrails and they're bridging and trying to mm-hmm. re-energize their parts. Maybe we can do the same by gifting and having those in like a bridge mm-hmm. fashion and bridge yeah. areas together. One of the common questions people ask is what's the range on these? And the general consensus that for, I mean, I, when I started doing this, I was taking in so much information. I sat at a computer. I had a wonderful job at the time. I had so much free time. I just sat for eight hours a day reading and learning every component I could from the limited information that existed about this topic. One of those consensus points was that tower busters have a range of approximately a quarter of a mile. And that isn't to say that if you have a, uh, a target in mind that you want to gift, that you only need to put it within a quarter mile. What it means is that as far as having an effect on EMF devices, a tower buster or a piece of organite, as long as it's made properly, will have some effect on the devices that are within a quarter of a mile of that. So obviously, as you get a higher concentration of EMF devices, you're going to want a concentration of the organite. And there are some people, this is my personal view. Um, again, I am the go bigger, go home because I don't want to have to, I mean, they're never going to stop upgrading, at least in the foreseeable future. So as long as they're going to keep doing things, I will always make sure I do my gifting in a way that I never have to, or feel like I have to return somewhere. But there are some people that will tell you one of these is good enough for like if if you are familiar with those gigantic uh, they we call them the large golf balls they're golf ball shaped towers um, they're technically called nexrad towers they are the bee's knees of the agenda and they are the most demonic thing I've ever found on earth but some people would say you need one of these around that and I'm like no I've <laughs> I've used hundreds, plural, of tower busters around one with four people running around and like just it's quite comically just the number of people working and, and distributing and burying things in the vicinity of one of those. I'm not saying you need it for everything, but I'm just saying like you, you want more than one. You know, you put on average, I'd say you put five to 10 in a house and people are like, well, how many for a neighborhood? And I say, I don't know. I I have a neighborhood, I call it a neighborhood block party pack that has like 10 of those, three earth pipes, and one of these HHG pyramids. That's quite a bit that you could easily cover your whole neighborhood with that because not every single person needs an earth pipe, you know, but it's like if you've got a bunch of Tesla charging stations now that popping up in your neighborhood or people who love their 24-hour, you know, neighbors who won't I'm, I'm very lucky my emf my area my uh emf in my area is minimal and specifically where i sleep you know we unplug everything we're done at the end of the day and it's it's a dead zone so i know most people can't do that so it's like in those cases you you know you want to grid your home but if you are friends with any neighbors you want them to grid their home as well you want to create a bigger bubble it sounds like you're in a veritable arms race at times doesn't it a little bit, that, yeah. They increase theirs and you have to up your production it, and, and increase it, what you're doing in, in gifting. Yeah, exactly. Because I understand too that people, uh, well, so I had a comment. This was on, I don't know if it was a video interview I did. Maybe it was out with Alpha Vedic, I think. Somebody said, 
you know, hey, Mitch, I, I put one of these tower busters around the tower, around a tower in my town, and I still see chemtrails in the sky. And I thought, well, there are 11 billion towers in the world. So obviously doing just one isn't going to make all of that change and especially change overnight. So, but then the, the other side of that is when I say things like that, some people then come back at me and they say, oh, well then, so like, what effect is it having? And I'm like, you, you have to create a grid. Like this is a infinity level, infinity budget agenda of what I would call multidimensional or galactic or whatever you want to call it proportions. It's like the problem isn't going to be fixed overnight, but that's why I do my gifting and the method that I do, because to me, you know, like I, I just helped a bunch of folks in California. I'm trying to help nudge the jet stream coming off the Pacific. Um, I helped the, uh, the Alpha Vedic group with their music and their music and sky festival. I uh, basically, I gifted everybody, uh, one of these black pucks. The fi- it's a 5G puck, I call it, and an earth pipe, a copper earth pipe. Now was for all, I think that ended up being like maybe four, 450 attending. And the idea was that everybody would get their devices and they would kind of, as they ventured outward to go home, outward to go home, uh, they would gift it somewhere in that vicinity of California. And, or at least, you know, I figured collateral damages, at least half of them are going to do it. And it ha- it's funny enough, it actually, it rained there quite heavily for a while. And folks said it was raining at the event, I think every day. Um, so, and, and they're, they've lost so much rain this year, but the idea was, you know, if I had say, uh, if I had a group from every state that was comprised of like five people and they all wanted stuff and I gave it to them versus giving all of this to one group in the same area, I'm going to give it to the one group in the same area because that's going to produce some kind of change or shift that's less subtle. And that's how you start, that's how you get the receipts to then show other people and say, okay, so there's a there there. And then people start asking questions. They're like, so I just, I noticed all of these different changes going on and I watched your videos and I thought, huh. And I had that same, huh, for like six to 12 months after I was, was gifting towers. It took me a long time uh, in Chicago with all these changes that were going on. And I'd be talking to my partner about it. And it's like, is this us? Like, you think you really think like it, because you're, we're taught from cradle to grave to doubt ourselves and think we're insignificant monkeys hurling through space. And so it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to like run along with it. If you aren't seeing some kind of dramatic shift, you have, it's something you have to have faith in. And, you know, for myself, it's like, I was, I wanted to go big or go home because I wanted, I, I needed something to have faith in. And I wanted those changes that weren't going to be so subtle. And someone else had mentioned who'd been doing this for a while. They were like, yeah, like, don't, don't half-ass this. And if if you're the type of person who needs to see some kind of like huge shift, it's like, okay, significant flooding, colder summers, and a complete shift in autumn that never existed. Well, we had, we had an issue with autumn in Chicago one year where it took, I think until January for the leaves to turn. And that was in correlation with learning about the life extension of using frequencies to extend the life of vegetation and then starting to question how many seasons actually exist in this realm and comparing it to other data that shows the whole planet, I think, might actually be a mild to moderate, uh, highly vegetative area where you can basically live anywhere and 
everyone would be fine. So it's like what frequencies and cycles and all that stuff. It's like, it all just kind of lots of shifting very rapidly. So. And it's almost like the, the people that you talk about, they, they try it once and it doesn't work and they, they kind of give up on it. It's like maybe the people that go to the gym once lift the weights and go, there's no definition. My muscles yeah. aren't bigger. Why didn't it work? I didn't lose 10 pounds. So I quit. <laughs> and I mean, I, I can understand, I can very much understand the skepticism. Again, it's like, I, I knew I wasn't, once I got going with it, I was like, this is, this is going to be my thing. It has to be because I know I can't stop. There's something that tells me that this is what I am destined to do with the time that I have in this meat suit until further notice. Maybe that will change. Uh, maybe I'll get some download or something to do something else, but that's my thing. So for others, you know, if, if that's something they want to partake, it's like, I, when I started doing it, it was more about throwing a tower buster at every, every which way. And and when I, I don't mean literally, but like, it was just like, Oh, just get it out, get it out, get it out. After getting enough of this stuff distributed, especially here around the desert, I'm much more uh, strategic about it. And, you know, what I mentioned before about things like we have so many vortexes around here. There are some very significant ley lines. And I know other people, I have friends around the U.S. that do it too. Some of them do it above the radar and some do it under the radar. Some people kind of lead a double life where they just want to do the gifting and be left alone. But we compare notes and you get, you get to know certain people. Some people get along better than other people. Some people I would call my friends, others I'd say acquaintance. Some I'd say frenemies, whatever, but it's, um, it's a pissing contest is what I'm getting at. So, you know, you've got, you've got that going on, but there's plenty of people to compare notes with and see like, Oh, I had the same reaction that you had. Well, let's talk about why this happened. Why could this have happened? What else do we know about this reality? Because we're getting all this stuff thrown at us at the same time and trying to decode this reality. So, you know, as, as much as, you know, people want, people want the science, they want basically the, uh, mainstream version of science to explain what's, what's going on with life energy. And I'm saying, well, I've actually learned, you know, I actually started learning about organite, not just from Googling how to stop chemtrails, but I read the book, the creature from Jekyll Island. And I learned about the federal reserve and it ended up opening up so many questions about money and that the idea of currency, as I was learning about this energy, I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Like these decisions, every decision that's ever been made for humanity, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, or it's been made by the overlords, there's always something deeper about it where I'm like, if you look at it on the, just the surface, it makes no damn sense. It's because there's an energetic component to not just controlling, in this case, the money, but to control the flow of energy and why, you know, there's a reason why the petrodollar and oil, which is a highly energetic substance, it's the essentially the blood of the planet. There's a reason we use resin to make organite. Resin is derived from oil. It is the, orga- when you hear people talk about the organic and inorganic material in organite, the resin is the organic element. And so there's this energy behind all these things and then what they see down there to us with in this case it was money but i just i started answering all these questions that i had had about why would you know why did this it it started answering questions like why did this war happen and you just start by deductive reasoning you're like god we live in a playground that has just fed on human misery in order for something to survive 
And so that's, and, and then the floodgates open figuratively and literally, <laughs> but the floodgates open with decoding why this stuff works. And we still don't, again, don't have all the answers, but we know that it's because we live in an energetic realm. So what's the next step here? What's the next arrow in your quiver? Like you've got pucks, you've got uh, the bazookas, you've got the, the holy <laughs> hand grenades. Is there so, like the big boy, is there a nuke version? I often think about if I upscaled, <laughs> if I upscaled the puck to something the size of a footlocker and I buried that on a mountaintop and I, I gridded entire regions, would that have a better outcome? I'm always exploring those ideas. Is that something you often do as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so there are actually, and this is some of the people I would consider my friends who are doing this work as well. Some of the things we talk about, like we're always trying to learn something else. How do we make something bigger? And people can read my blog or they can visit my website to see. Um, I have a, I have a section specifically that talks. It's all about the work I'm doing relative to Arizona and it's called restore the desert project. There are different types of devices where you know, we're, we're embedding, uh, different, different things called, um, radionics devices and we're pulsing things with certain frequencies. We're not just making the standalone piece, but like, here's an example of one. This is my latest thing is the power wand. And if you hear about a power wand, there are a few people who sell organite devices that make power wands. Uh, this is essentially a copper pipe with a, a dense organite center and in the center of that there is what we call a sucker punch crystal it's like a mobius coil wrapped crystal i'm sure you're probably familiar Mm -hmm. with sucker punch being the the cloaking device um that that people use when they go gifting because you can create this scalar wave field around yourself that sort of acts like a a deflector for what they call psychic attacks or like targeting um there's a whole other can of worms which i would say (laughs) We can, people can visit my website to learn about that specifically. But, um, the power wand, I had recently learned about two years ago about the, the term ether damming. And this is something I did not talk about until I don't even think I talked about this with Adam and Chud on, on Deborah gets red pilled because, and that was probably six to eight months ago. Um, but the reason I hadn't talked a lot about it is because Ether damming, which is a term that I got from a gentleman who's, uh, his name's uh, Trevor James Constable, people probably listening to this familiar with that name. And when I heard about it, it was this idea of damming up a barrier of energy, like taking energy from the ether and pushing against it to concentrate this energy field. And then it was like, figuring out what you can manifest within that energy field once you concentrate it and then release it. So it begins to flow. The physical representation of that would be the jet stream. So what I do with ether damming or began doing in 2019 with ether damming was I would use power wands. And this is the smallest version. I've had some that were eight feet. Um, I've, I've been on my driveway spinning and twirling and aiming and zapping weird things. And to the point, I'm sure every neighbor I have thinks I'm insane, <laughs> but, um, basically blasting or, or broadcasting different frequencies against the ether or, or into the ether and against the jet stream and have basically been trying to decode consistencies. Uh, again, that coincidence salad, because someday I actually would like to write a manual on this. And I have some people around the U.S. people. There's a lot of folks I've gifted 
uh, power wands. I now I only sell them because the gift, the ones who gift, uh, sadly, um, people drop the ball and don't want to play. But basically, there are others out there that you know I I talk to, uh, explain. Here's what I've been doing for the last couple years. Tell them the 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 do's and don'ts as far as like you can you can produce rain clouds. You can also conjure up lightning. Uh, you're messing with magnetic fields. And so you, you know, you want to be careful because if you're also like, let's say you build up a rain, not build up a rainstorm, but if you start, uh, going against the flow of the jet stream and building up these clouds, someone else who's doing it in another part of the state or country or whatever might be spinning a wand the wrong direction and undoing the work that you're doing. It's like, you want to make sure things are concise and it's like, okay, so here's some conditions to look for and kind of just, I basically, I'm working on a little bit of a manual. Um, but it's been really promising because there are a handful of people out there. One, one woman specifically over in Virginia who I talked to, uh, she took the wand and she did all these things we talked about, wrote up a really cool report and was like, well, here's my experience. And I'm like, this is awesome because now I have something on paper. I can compare with all of mine and I can compare this with his and hers and theirs and whatever. And eventually my goal is to, uh, I want to get to a point. I mean, I don't, I want, I don't want to use the word manipulate cause it's a negative word, but one thing I'd like to do is, is figure out a way. Cause I know there's a way that when something is targeting a place such as Florida with a hurricane, that whether it's a large group of people or you only need a couple people, but that there are tools and devices out there that can be implemented on a dime or on a whatever drop of a hat that can be used to break things down, divert them away, basically destroy them before they destroy us. Um, one thing I've discovered this summer specifically is like when people hear me say that I'm spinning uh, what it means is you're aiming certain directions in the jet stream and you're spinning either clockwise rotations or counterclockwise rotations where the span of your spin is about a 45 degree angle. And there are different things that will occur in the sky based on the direction you're aiming, based on the current flow of the jet stream that day, uh, based on any weather patterns, the amount of moisture in the air. Uh, the time of year, I've noticed it shifts actually after the equinox. And so I'm, I'm now reversing things I did in the summer and we'll be doing that until the spring equinox happens now. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of decoding to do. And I haven't heard anybody yet, uh, talk much about it other than Constable. And what he was doing was basically they had these devices attached to a naval ship that were spinning in these rotations and uh, basically agitating the ether similar to a, what I would, I would say probably like a cloud buster from like Reich's cloud buster, which is a little different than a chem buster, but the, the bazooka and uh, basically manifesting rain that you could basically like turn the water on and off, uh, or you could build up the conditions or speed up the conditions. And so one of the things I've now discovered at least so far that I have a pretty good success rate is you spin certain directions. And in, in, in this case, I think it's a 30 Hertz frequency that I use most of the time doing this, but pull, pulling more moisture down to the point that it just starts flooding 
like quite heavily and that every single time it's like once you stop doing it it slows down and it shuts off and it's like okay well we've, we're finding these consistencies and i've had some people with power wands i gave some to to a buddy over in uh in missouri who was using it and he had said on an episode we were talking he said uh mitch this thing works like it's like an eraser for chemtrails there's certain frequencies you can blast into it that will begin to break down chemtrails faster if people are interested they can go on my website at the top the geoengineering tab has a drop down box that says best of chemtrails um there's some trippy stuff going on in the sky so when people hear me say that i think chemtrails are not as simplistic as particulate metal being pumped out of a plane that there's there's more going on on an energetic level and what we see may not be what's really going on physically there's a reason for that and so people can see you know i would i would challenge anybody who watches those videos to come back to me and and try and and tell me what kind of um well, what kind of water vapor for one, those people, they could argue too, but what kind of water vapor or what kind of aluminum, barium and strontium behaves in the manner that that stuff is behaving in the sky? Cause it's pretty trippy and you can see waves going through it. You can see things seizing and snapping apart instead of pluming and covering the sky. It sort of becomes like DNA helixes uh, or spaghetti noodles. And then it seizes and snaps apart and it, it's like you can see the frequency war going on in the sky in real time because there's an energy component to this, not a particulate component. So, but that's, there's no subtle ways about it. It's definitely a war yeah. on all fronts. Let's go through a couple of scenarios before we, we close up. Scenario yeah. one, let's envision a world where we get some kind of a, a collective um, peak where people are gifting and, Somehow we shut down these towers and those, the it's that we talk about, they no longer have any kind of influence on our weather systems or the energy in our world at all. What do you think the world would look like if we were able to shut all that down? Wow, loaded question. I know, loaded. Um, <laughs> as, well, just because I'm like, has this world ever been like that before? Um, I'm not, gosh, I don't know. I would like to think... <clears throat> I would like to think that everything would be the way anybody watching this would want it to be, that everything would go in unison and everything would flow perfectly, um, that we would no longer just be surviving, but we would be thriving as a species. We'd have the best of everything. The world would be perfectly clean and everything would be pro, really just pro-life. Um However, I do have the mindset, I believe that I believe unity in and of itself, like unity for the sake of unity is just the new world order with extra mm-hmm. steps and, and crystals. And um, it's uh, I'm I'm all about the absolute truth and the truth is not comfortable or always comfortable. And as far as like love and light, that will come organically as long as you get the truth first. So I'd like to just hope that a world like that would begin to operate basically as nature intended where everything as comfortable or uncomfortable as it is would just be based solely on the absolute truth. Um, I don't know exactly what that would look like because I've recently had my reality crushed when I started listening to, or not crushed, that's a negative word, but I had to reevaluate things significantly when I started learning about that, that guy I mentioned, Jason Brashear's, at archaics and the reason uh, you know i'm not trying to sell his page to anybody 
Um, it's just interesting perspectives I hadn't considered as possibilities. And the idea of what is this reality that we're in? People will call me, I'm sure people will call me negative if I said, and I'll still say it, who knows if this place was ever even meant to be what it is we're trying to make it. It could be sometimes, I mean, I don't know, I'm not the only one that's had this thought, but I sometimes look around and I think, what if I'm the one that doesn't belong here? Not evil or or whatever this it is. What if what if all of us who are going through these this thing that we're going through, it's like, what if we're just like, maybe I'm the odd man out, you know, and this is my way of, of like finding the door, you know, and, and some people, they don't like that idea. They don't, you know, they want to find a meaning in everything, or they want to think they have more control. That's a big one. Everybody want like, oh, I can be conscious and expand and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, I will never be above at, above reserving the room for the possibility that maybe when the day is said and done, it's like, I'm still, I'm still trapped in this mess, maybe, uh, trying to get out. Maybe it's something you need to get out of, or it's something we need to create ourselves. I know a lot of people prefer that method. So, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I know that I am not above keeping literally infinite possibilities of what's going on uh as a possibility and i want i because I, I until a year ago i thought i was i was doing the same thing as a lot of people i was just like i'm creating a better world or i'm doing my part what i can with what i know how to do to make this world better and to create the world in which i want to live and i do think that's important but at the end of the day it's like well I also think that when you mess up, in my case, you mess up the frequency fence, you're helping others to get beyond the mind fog and to help with all the other things everybody's doing to wake up. So like, this is just one component of it. And so I know organized, not the end all be all cure, but um, I think that maybe it's, you know, maybe we're just creating the ability for everyone to find the door. And so that's why that question is really hard. Because oh, no, it's I don't hard want, one to- <laughs> yeah. I don't want to insult the realm because I mean, like, I got to live here too. I, I will be very clear. Like, I love what I do. And for the most part, I mean, I love, I love my life. Um, but I do continuously preach on my Instagram that I feel like I live on planet stupid <laughs> and I call it planet stupid because it's, it's get, it's really, stupid i mean there's just because there's a lot that's just really crazy and inverted even at the best of times it feels like you're a salmon swimming upstream against the current so exactly yeah that's exactly it uh probably yeah. another loaded question the polar <laughs> version of that what happens if we're not successful and that the it entities the parasites whatever people want to refer to them as what if they're successful what would our world potentially I, look like and there's lots of possibilities but yeah what would it look like well, so as somebody who does what I do with energy, I mean, I t- when people are like, well, I don't know how this could ever do anything. I'm like, there's a reason we have the phrase, be careful what you wish for and thoughts become things. And I mean, that's why, again, the media, you know, it exists for human misery to manifest human misery. So I don't want to say certain things that w- like I... I keep those possibilities. I mean, like I, I'm not above thinking, yeah, you know what? Like 
that's a good driving force for continuing to do what I do and to try not to get discouraged and to keep seeing the brighter side of it. I mean, I'm watching, at least where I live, I'm watching the climate hoax talking points crumble. It's like, there's no, like, you have to be really brain dead to buy any of this bullshit anymore. And so that's rewarding, encouraging. It keeps me going. Um, as far as seeing what would happen, I mean, I don't know exactly. It would not be good. Um, but I also think there might be defense mechanisms. I, because one of the, I mean, again, that same guy, I don't even want to say his name now because I feel like I'm trying to just <laughs> sell Jason. Um, but, uh, if that, it's just, it's the idea of living in a realm, like what if there are defense mechanisms in place that, you know, I, like, I don't believe I'm trapped in hell and I don't think anybody, like we have, we have free will to us to a certain extent we have free will and there is something with our existence that like you know for me whatever whatever in the universe exists without my knowledge exists without my consent i like to keep that mindset brewing in my brain uh i think as far as like if that would ever happen i think that's the case where some of us would vacate and when i say some of us i mean anybody who knows they don't belong and who knows that they like i made a couple of comments during my alpha vedic interview and i i knew i, I said it to piss off some people um i there's been so much talk about npcs this last year it's like the new talking point people love that word and i so mean i would recommend yeah, I and I love that. There, there was a movie last year or the year before, whatever it was, called Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds that I thought yeah. was very, very telling mm -hmm. about a lot. I mean, I was just fascinated by that movie. But when I was learning about Jason's work, he uses this term called errant, as in you are an error to the Matrix program or you are an error to the construct. And that's why you don't belong or you feel like you don't belong. It's why everything seems backwards to you. You are essentially the anti to this fake crap, basically. And so the idea then becomes, what if there are errants and what if there are NPCs, the non-participating character? I think that, isn't that what it means? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so I actually think I made the comment that NPC to me stands for no possible chance of ever waking up. <laughs> And people got mad. And I, uh, the reason is because they want to think that some people, you know, there's hope for everybody. I believe that there is hope for every human being on this, wherever we are. There is absolutely hope for every human being. I'm not convinced that every physical person body is in fact a human being because AI comes in the form of, uh, well, then deception, lies, anti-life, anti-truth. It comes in the form of, your phone or the network, the harp grid, the frequency fence, whatever, it comes in the form, I think, of person bodies that are essentially they're just they're just the meat suit. There's not there, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's home, basically. Or it's a it's an uploaded program that, you know, you keep going in for your what is it, your booster? Those are I feel like they're just uploading new, it's the latest software, software. every yeah. time. Yep. You know, and that doesn't mean I know some humans got the got the the jibby jab too but i just think that if you look at it from that perspective like oh errants and npcs then i would say i think errants have um have a hopeful existence and so that realm or whatever that possibility you at you say what what do you think that would be like i think there's a default 
I don't think it can happen, or at least I think it can't happen to those that, um, to those that it just isn't meant to happen. It's not their thing. They're the errant to whatever this nonsense is. So awesome. It's definitely yeah. that, uh, the Agent Smith analogy where they're, they're just stepping into yeah. certain people's bodies. Let's finish up. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Let, go ahead. That's okay. Let's finish on a high. Um, what's yeah. something that's been happening in your life recently that's going well? How have you been living your life? What's the positive side in your life at the moment? I mean, for, for myself, um, you know, I was talking to a brick wall for a long time. Uh, it was only really 20, 2022 has been a fantastic year. Um, and like I said, now you're, this is an interview. I I've, haven't talked to anybody as far away from where I am as you. And so now I've got a couple international ones under my belt. Um, but the, you know, really just like with what I see around the world, it's not reflective of my own life. Um, I can poke fun and poke holes at what's happening with the the shit show, as we say. But, you know, for myself, it's like things are just, I mean, things are going really well. Um, I'm a very fortunate person. I consider myself a blessed person. Some people think that's a bad word, but I, <laughs> I mean, I'm a very, I, I, I live in this gravitation of, of my own abundance and whatever, all the buzzwords that every guru wants to talk about. But I, I could not complain for the, I think for the most part, I could not complain about how life is going for me and that it keeps me motivated and really optimistic. I wasn't, I wasn't very hopeful when things started happening in 2020, but then as more things went on and more lessons were learned and it it was like, oh, this isn't about waking up every single person. This is about focusing on yourself and getting in tune with like, what is my, what is my existence? And once you tap into that, it seems like everything just flows. I don't want to sound, I don't, I mean, I know people got money trouble over here, this issue over here, and there's always going to be someone that can say, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, um, I don't know. I just, for, for whatever reason, I'm very fortunate. I count my blessings all the time. And, you know, I just, I know that my mantra on life is that we need to do whatever we can to leave this place in better shape than how we found it from the time we get here to the time that we leave. And so that's just my, my main focus. And it's really given, um, it's just, it's given, it's given a purpose, you know, and I'm very lucky. I am so happy to get to be one of those people. There are many people, but one of those people that does something they love and knows that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So that's a, and that's a great way to be. I'm in a similar position at the moment where over the past two years, I've been bashing my head against a brick wall, same as you, but bringing about change in the education system. And I think a lot of well-meaning teachers, they end up leaving because they realize they can't do it. But this week I've got a win where my school's allowing me to introduce a program where we teach kids how to farm, how to garden, how to grow food naturally. And like a paddock to plate type of initiative where hopefully we can teach these kids life skills and, and, make meaningful impacts to make the world a better place and leave a better world. So that's my win for the week. So yeah, positives are definitely there. All right. Where can people catch you, Mitch? Where can they reach out and find you? All right. So uh, obviously my website is the best place to go. That would be uh, the orgonedonor.com. And that's orgone, not organ. So that's O-R-G-O-N-E-D-O-N-O-R.com. Definitely check out my uh, Restore the Desert project. 
And um, yeah, just if people have questions, they can email me. All my contact information is there. And then I would say too, I like to have a little bit of an Instagram presence. Right now, it's the one I use if I'm going to use one. Um, so for anybody that goes to my page, I keep it private because it has helped me reduce the Al Gore rhythms uh, from, from doing certain things to me. And so uh, if you do just if you click the request button or whatever, shoot me a message and just say like, Hey, yeah, I'm human because I do go and I vet every single person. And if I can't, if I can't prove to myself, I'm like, I, there's a question whether or not this could be a bot or a troll or a shill or whatever. Um, I, then I just cast it to the side. Cause um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pushback and it gets real bizarre real quick. So People can do that. But yeah, other than that, check out my, uh, check out my website and a lot of my videos. Um, just the different effects that you have and look at, you know, the, the chronological order of my restore the desert project page. The whole point of that was to put it in a concise order that can show really, I mean, the last two years have been very action packed with this roller coaster of weather we've had. And, you know, I'm documenting the forecasts and documenting what we do ourselves. I've got a plethora of pictures and videos, and I've got tutorials also on how to make all of these devices. Um, so for those who don't, if you don't want to buy it, you can obviously make your own. Uh, I would encourage people to do that as the cost of materials is going up. And then I know it will be a question just because of where you're located. For anybody, I, I currently am only set up to sell things within the US. Um, I have dabbled a little bit with some folks actually in Australia, but they typically like they'll send an address. They'll we'll try and massage, like figure out how, how can I get this to you for the cheapest way? Um, but I would also recommend people check out, there's a gentleman I, uh, who's huge inspiration to me. His name is George Richel. His website is organized Africa. That's organized with an S not a Z. Um, but George Richel, he's a pioneer to this and he's been doing this for 20 years. He kind of helped get me into this and he has international deals and, different types of discounts, just a much bigger operation. Cause I'm, I'm still small potatoes as far as that venue, but, um, people can go there if they're looking to buy something, uh, or just also to, to learn another, uh, another outlet to kind of make more sense of the never ending puzzle pieces. So. Yeah. I'd encourage everyone to go out there and, and try and build one of these yourself just for the experience yeah. of it. Mitch, thank it's, you again for taking fun. the time. It's you been bet. absolutely an amazing talk. It's it's gone longer than I thought it would, which is fantastic. Even though we go down rabbit holes and on different tangents, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I've been Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast. You can find me on all your usual podcatchers, Podbean, iTunes, and finally on Spotify for those people who've been listening to me for a while. Uh, I'm also on Instagram under Missing the Point, and you can reach me at drewmisson at 88 at gmail.com. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Mitch, and it's been an honor having you. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. See you guys. Hey, everybody. It's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here.